You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hydraulics, Sid Talk. Riveting before the After The Show discussion about We were discussing the office chair that I have. About It takes about two weeks, but slowly the hydraulic just goes down and down. And eventually my knees are hitting my nose. Do you think people are going to identify with this trauma that you have and be like, oh, that poor guy? Talking <laughs> of trauma, I want to dedicate... Oh, babe. I want to dedicate this episode oh. to my friend Jamin, who actually passed away this week. Well, a few weeks ago, sadly. Yeah, well, to my knowledge, this week. I mean, I found out this week. Yeah. Um, so I dedicate this one to him, because if you remember, he loved movies. Yep. He listened to our podcast. He loved our movie reviews. He was always asking me what new movies are coming out. Anything I could recommend to him. So. And he's not, he was a young guy. Well, a little bit younger than us. A couple years. Yeah, uh, 46. Right. So goodbye, my friend, Jamin. Aww. So, uh, yeah, uh, on another note of that, I never met Jamin in real life. You've said this. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, He's like an online friend of mine that I had for over 20 years. Yep. And I bet you I talked to him at least a few times a week for 20 sometimes years. Sometimes every day for years, yeah. sometimes. And I just get annoyed with people who are like, oh, talking to people online, that's not the same. Bullshit. You can, I mean, if all you do online is lie to people and pretend to be something you're not, then sure, you're always going to have fake bullshit relationships. But to me, because you and I met on the old internet back in 1998, to me, it's more revealing because the conversations you have, you are sort of protected. And I'm more, I mean, I'm pretty straightforward anyway, but you feel like I just want to tell this person everything because if we're getting along this well, he needs to know everything. Things that you might not even think to say if you're sitting in a bar having a drink or at a restaurant having, you know, in front of people. And so... You can build a relationship with somebody, a lifelong, solid relationship with that person matters to you. Like the impact they have on your life is real, tangible. They don't have to be sitting in the room with you or across the street from you. And so don't let anybody convince you that if you met somebody and you chat with them on Facebook, but you're never going to meet them, that that's not real because it definitely can be real. I knew him more than I knew people in real life, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, like friends from school when I was at school. I bet you I knew more about him than I did them. Yeah, I bet. So, uh, goodbye, my friend. And let's go into a more upbeat fashion. <laughs> so it is... A movie about magic. This is our last show of uh, this year. So we will have later on our top ten movies of the year and our worst movie of the year and my top three games of the year. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> But it is Saturday, December the 29th. This is after the show 563. We are a podcast. We review movies. This week we're going to look at the movie The House with a Clock in Its Walls. It's a 2018 movie. You can get this now on 4K, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. It's rated PG. And it's from our friends at Universal who sent us a copy over for review. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of The House... 
with a clock in its walls. <laughs> it's a house <laughs> with a clock in its walls. <laughs> nice. And there's magic, and there's a kid, and there's Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. It's just a romp with, you know, a kid learning about magic, family bonds, you know, emotions. Yeah. Some guy who wants to do something to the world, as most bad guys do. It is. It is a uh, about a house with a clock in the wall. Based <laughs> on the 1973 book of the same name. I thought it was only published in the 70s, but written earlier. It was written in, and published in the 70s and then oh. republished in the 2004. Right, okay. So yeah, it's a book from the 70s. Got it. And it is aimed at children. The book was, and so is the movie, really. It's aimed at children without cuddling them, which I really love. I do, yeah. When I tell you who directed this movie... <laughs> if you know and, about movies. And I know about movies, and when we saw the trailer for this movie in the theater, and it didn't mention anything about the director, and then I came home, and they sent me a press release for it, and I was like, Eli Roth is the director of that movie? I don't get it, because... If you know anything about movies and you know Eli Roth, he is a he's a horror genre director. He makes very nasty graphic horror movies. Such as? Cabin Fever. Yeah. The Green Inferno. Well, The Green Inferno. Hostel. Hostel 2. You know, really yeah. extreme horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, this movie is, you know, a children's movie. Like, well, actually, he calls it in an interview where I just looked. He called it a gateway, not, he didn't mention the word drug, but let's <laughs> say drug, a gateway. It's a gateway to, movie. A gateway movie for young viewers to get into horror films, because there are elements of horror in this, in this, but it's obviously not like an Eli Roth movie. So I, we saw the trailer. I thought the trailer looked really fun, and what I expected to get after seeing that trailer, is what I got today watching the whole thing. It's just really fun. It is, absolutely. It's um, obviously, it's it's not graphic and it's not, you know, I would, try, I would hate to compare it to something, but, you know, people would say, I've even seen people saying, oh, well, like, kind of like Harry Potter, like that kind of thing, magic and wizards and yeah, kind of like okay, that. Okay, I'm going to put this out there, and before you say it, because then this is going to sound like I'm directing it at you, but I'm not. Why do idiot people have to constantly compare things like that? Oh, there's magic, therefore it is Harry Potter. Right. It doesn't even make any sense, because it's its own thing. If it was Harry Potter 7, then you could say, okay, it's like Harry Potter 1. But I mean, it is. It's, in fact, the thing I said to you at the end of the movie was, oh, that was quite unique, you don't see films like that. Yeah. Now, I don't feel like I've seen a film that's, you know, you could take your kids to watch... And you can watch it yourself and also enjoy it because it's quite funny. Jack Black, I think, brings a lot to it in mm -hmm. terms of funny. I think Kate Blanchett's pretty funny. She is. And the, the actual rapport between them both mm -hmm. is just a funny thing in this movie. Because they love each other, but they... Give each other shit. Give each other shit all the time. Like yeah. It's, it's like a... You know, it's their thing. Like, they call each other names. They act as though they don't like each other, but they love each other. So... I really like that. And I think, you know, at the beginning, when the credits start to roll, you see the Steven Spielberg Amblin logo with E.T. jumping over the moon. And I was like, and then it started, and, it, you know, it did the thing where 
you're introduced to Jack Black and the, the child at the bus station. And I was like, yeah, this does have like a Steven Spielberg-y type Back to the Future almost, like kind of, it's unrealistic. It's very storybookish. Yeah, very. And everything's very specific. The costumes and the, you know, and it just had that kind of magical feel immediately. And then when you go into this house, because I think not only the people in this movie are the stars of it, this house is a big star of the movie. The house has all kinds of interesting things. The house is in the title. Yeah, I think if you're looking, if you look in the frames of this movie, and again, if you watch it more than once, I think you'll see things that you missed because there are things that just change on the walls because it's a magical house. There's a pit, there's a very focal picture that change, like a stained glass window that keeps changing its story. And but there are lots of different things I noticed. I noticed small things moving in the corners of the frame, <laughs> and like there's a um, a reclining chair that is actually like a character in the movie, almost like when you watch Cinderella. What is it? Not Cinderella. What we're, what we're talking about. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, you know when the when the object. You're comparing, like, but yes, I know. When the candelier comes to life, it's like that, but in you know real, not animated, because it is just that they're not animated, is it? It's, they made a chair that could do all those movements. It wasn't CG. In fact, I don't think a lot of this was CG, to be honest. Because looking at when we looked at the extras, even those automatons, they were real, practical. Did you think there was a ton of CG? Um, there were times. Baby head, come on, that was the worst. And the pumpkins, I thought were really crappy I CGI. Thought that, I thought, yeah, baby head, I thought was very funny though. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, oh, it lowered things, and right. so did the pumpkins. But Eli Roth has that really weird, like, um, I don't know, like if it shocks you or makes you go, uh, he thinks it's hilarious. And I don't mean uh, like gross, because I love gross and I love shocking. I love gore. I like horror stuff. Almost slapsticky, like a custard yeah, pie. Yeah, but in it the wasn't face, even done of. well slapsticky. You know what I mean? To me, it was just lame and it lowered the quality a lot, but we got through it. Yeah, so the main plot's just this, you know, young kid comes to stay with them. There's a real sad thing about, like, you know, he's lost his mother, this child. Mm hmm. I always hate that because it's a thing that happened to me. So it kind of, I don't hate it, but it always gets to me. Like, yeah, especially the bad guy in this movie is using the death of the mother to manipulate the kid, which is really effed up, (laughs) you know, that's extra bad. Yeah. So, um, you know, this kid's in this house with his uncle and it's a crazy house. And I like how. Stuff's happening all over the place, but the kid kind of just, he gets over it pretty quick. He's like, oh, well, this is just what my uncle's house is like, right? It's just kind of crazy. He seems pretty sturdy as a kid. There's one rule in the house. You're not allowed to open this, what would you call that thing? A cabinet. Yeah, like a... It's a cabinet. Ultimate, no. It's just a cabinet in the house. Yeah, wall. well, you're not allowed to touch this. You can touch anything else. You can... In the house, you can... You have no bedtime, no... You can eat whatever you you want, want. sleep when you want, whatever. Just never touch the thing. did make him go to school, though. Yeah, he did. But, (laughs) yeah, there seem to be no rules in the house. You know, do what you want, be a kid, but don't ever touch that thing, obviously. Spoilers. (laughs) He touches the thing. Because he's some dumb kid. Then the shit is the fan. Yeah, true. Because there's some dumb kid who's like... Or some dumb character who's like... (gasps) 
ooh, bullies you into it or like, you know, whatever. I just think it's really dumb. And that main, the main plot of the bad guy and the, I, I actually kind of, I really liked it. I liked in, the internals of the house. Spoilers, there's a clock in the walls. <laughs> um, it looked really cool. There was some really inventive stuff, like little puzzles you had to solve to, you know, find where things were in the house, you know, these these characters. And I think a lot of the humor was pretty good. Jack Black can be a bit much for some people, I think. For me, he doesn't grate on me. He grates on a lot of people. You, I can understand that. He, you, I felt like it was fairly controlled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've seen him quite a few times in interviews, and I know that... Really, that is him. You know when he's just being interviewed mm-hmm. and he's actually serious even? He has got that about that kind of sarcastic tone about Vaudeville him. Vaudeville performer. He's constantly. even got that, yeah. Like yeah. He, he, I think that's just him. Um, so, yeah, you either love him or you hate him kind of thing. And I know a lot of people say... Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm in the middle. Yeah. So I don't know about... I don't hate yeah, him. Yeah, I don't love him. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. Um, I feel like he in this one it wasn't he wasn't making his persona the star of the show, which I really liked. And he he pulls off this character like I'm trying to think. You know, yeah, obviously many other people could be an actor in this movie and be that character, but he brings definitely brings something to it. And if I if you were to say what does he bring to it, I'd probably say Jack Black. <laughs> it's like his sense of humor, like they make you know. It's it's not highbrow or anything. There's fart jokes and poop jokes and he didn't write it. No, did he? Well, that's what, no, he didn't write. It. But what I'm saying is like it's he delivers those things definitely. And but not like in that overly like School of Rock way. No, but School of Rock again. I, I did did <laughs> I did like that one. It's yeah. really cute. So um, yeah. Is did it work for you as a story? Is there anything yes. you didn't like? Did you? I didn't like the CGI of the baby and the pumpkins. Other than and the pumpkins too, just kind of. Eh. But that was just one tool to, you know, yeah, give them like a gross scene. But no, I enjoyed the whole thing. I thought it was really fun. I love the magic. I love that it's not tiptoeing around the kid and even the characters. Jack Black wants to not tell him the full truth, and she's like, just tell him. Tell him what's going on. This guy was evil and he died and we have to keep him dead. And if we don't keep him dead, then horrible things are going to happen, you know. So I feel like it's treating kids with a bit more respect than just tiptoeing around everything. Yeah. And I quite like the, um, there's some scenes external from the house that are at the school. I actually quite like the scenes in the school. They were really yeah. funny. I especially pretty typical. I especially like that really wide shot. Um, of, you know, when you're at PE and you have to pick the kids <laughs> yeah. and there's always two kids left, the ones who nobody wants to pick. But one of the kids has got like splints on his leg and then the other kid is our kid who we're following, you know. And uh, they, one, they pick the kid with the splints on his leg and he walks very, very slowly <laughs> and it reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite, like that kind of dry, it's, it's funny awkward, yeah. to watch him walk the whole way. And you can hear the squeaking of his, of his splints on his leg. It's just, it, that stuff was really funny to me. I thought it was really cleverly done in the school. And, you know. I mean, it's not super clever because it's the exact same story of thousands, probably millions of other stories. I think it was just well filmed. He's and- new. He's a little bit different than the bully kid who wants to punch you in the hallway. 
And so we're going to ostracize him and make it look like everyone's mean to him. One kid befriends him who may or may not be his actual friend. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really a new thing. He wants friends. So then he's willing to possibly do something he shouldn't do to get friends. You know, that's not a new story. And the uh, one of the things I read criticisms, if I was reading criticism, people's reviews of this were, it was too intense for their children. I think it's just too intense for them. They're big babies. And also them. Like, I, I like uh, seemed seemingly... Um, adults who have three or four children were saying, "What the hell?" I saw the trailer for this, then I went to see it, and it was it, it almost was like it almost sounded to me like they were watching it, thinking like like we'd be watching The Exorcist, going, "Oh my god, this is yeah, terrifying!" They're like, "There's one person's like, it scared me." I'm like, "How could this scare you?" It's yeah, it's first of all, movies don't scare me. Now, you and I have been watching movies, for example, like The Exorcist, since we were kids, which we. Like we discussed, questionable whether or not you want to plant that kind of stuff in a kid's head. I it's up to every parent and then the kid if they get old when they get old enough. But it's not like it's tainted us. No. And I learned quickly about you know movie tricks and movie things and that this isn't real and that's not real and the idea is just an idea. It's like reading a book. You know, I mean, you fill in the gaps of like it, there's not a real witch. <laughs> right? There's not a real wizard. There's not a real purple octopus in the closet. Like, those aren't real. It's an idea. It's a fictional fantasy thing. And a movie is just a, a visual representation for you to fill it all in. And I've learned that, like, so long ago. I don't understand coddling little kids, and little by 8 to 12 years old. And so what do they have to watch? Just... Disney movies all the time. And think about Disney movies. Always a dead parent. Always a bad guy who wants to burn or kill the child or the little ones. I mean, you know, what's yeah. his name in Lion King? And the uncle wants to kill him and it's killed the father. And yep. he's like, Ugh. you know what I mean? And the mother is dead. And then Bambi's mom is dead. And the hunters are out there. Like, is that, how is that easier? Just because it looks like all prettier? Mm. I don't get it. Yeah, that was one thing about this movie. It doesn't feel like a Disney kind of movie. It feels a bit different from that, doesn't it? Like it, it feels you know, a little more brave. Yeah, like if Disney made this, I think it would be maybe less brave, like less. I don't know. I don't know. Less creep to it, like because it is a bit <laughs> creepy in parts. And there's also some serious stuff, like the guy, you know, the bad guy, and the the thing. Look at look back at him in the war. Yeah. And, and stuff like that, which is almost adult stuff that's in it. That Yeah, the bad guy's reasoning for kind of falling apart and wanting to destroy everything is kind of is a really deep thing. And it's not actually far fetched at all. It's a reasonable way to deal with the trauma of being in war, you know? Right. And then we just turn it into his plan and, you know. Yeah, but when then he projects that footage up on the, on the thing for them yeah. all to see, and he's talking about it, I was like, wow, yeah, this is pretty deep. This is not, you know, mm-hmm. this is not what you normally see in this kind of movie. Made it feel a bit different. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it start to finish. I think it is really fun. It's non-offensive. It's, there's a lot of cool special effects. There's a lot of really funny stuff. There's a lot of, like, roll-your-eyes stuff, too, like the... Sure. Like the dragon pooing, the, I mean, the... Papyri thing, Griffin. Yeah, <laughs> he just poos out dead leaves. Poos out dead really leaves, funny. but it smells like sulfur. <laughs> apparently, 
<laughs> um, but, you know, I can imagine kids rolling in the aisles. Some kids, anyway. Sure. At that kind of thing. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I can't, you know, when you have to, like, think of a bad thing. I can't really think of a bad thing. <laughs> in terms of, like, nothing. It's not too long. It's not too short. It feels like there's a big adventure in there. It's kind of contained. But it being contained makes sense because it's about the house. And it wasn't too heavily like, oh, this poor forlorn boy, you know? No. It wasn't, you know, Narnia kind of, it's heavy duty on the poor kids, you know? Yeah, In this is, situation. Yeah. yeah. But I liked it all, except for those little I mean, spots. don't get me wrong, this kid's not at a great beginning, like, before we see him. He's, yeah. But... Things kind of take a turn when he comes to meet his uncle. <laughs> I'd love to have Jack Black as my uncle. <laughs> I also, I also loved uh, the them becoming a family. At, you know, on the on the stained glass window. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that, that whole thing of like, you know, we're an odd bunch of people. We're a bit odd. We're not like each other, but we've I mean, come yes, together. there's a bit of sap in this movie. You just have to deal yep. with that. True. So um, we're going to the cast. Jack Black plays Jonathan Barnvelt. Like we said earlier, it's Jack Black. He's not hiding the fact that he's Jack Black. He's not trying to do anything <laughs> crazily different than what you've seen him do. But at first, I feel like he just fits this part because it needs somebody who's a bit goofy, but funny and also like lovable. He was very kind. You yeah. felt like he was, I felt like he was kind. Yeah, because he was all about the kid just protecting the kid and, and yeah. Being allowed to do what he wanted, you know, within reason to be happy. Like, we'd just be happy, you know. Yeah. Even though this house could be, can be terrifying. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are some weird noises and there are weird things happening in front of your face that, you know. I like how they didn't keep it a secret from the kid for too long, too. Like you said, like, I mean, there is a chair that wanders around and doesn't talk, but it it, it looks like it's it's a living thing. It isn't long before he sees that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he's in, in on the thing. And then it's just a big adventure from there. So yeah, I like Jack Black. Kate Blanchett, who you would never think, like, oh, Kate Blanchett, Jack Black, what, what is that? Because Kate Blanchett does a lot of serious movies. Yeah, but doesn't Helen Mirren also has done a couple where you're like, what? Yeah, true. Helen Mirren. And she plays Florence Zimmerman. I liked her. I think I liked her the best. Yeah, Explain, like, the relationship between her and Jack Black. She's the neighbor. They've been friends a long time. She's a witch. He's a warlock. Yeah. And they verbally insult each other constantly with that sort of, like, wink, wink. Yeah, in a yeah. fun in a fun yeah. way. In that fun, insulting <laughs> way. Yes. Like, you're an old hag and you're a... Oh, yes. Thank you. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think she played it really well. I loved her, like, hero moments when, she, got, when she had a wand. And the umbrella, you know, she, yep, yep. she was a bit of a badass, actually. So, you know, you might not think at the beginning. And her though. deal that she's dealing with also, heavy duty, that, you know. Yep, true. And she doesn't want any kissy, kissy, kissy face with <laughs> yeah. her job. <laughs> oh, kissy face. Oh. When, when the kid's asking her. I don't beginning. understand, though, why she can't have her British accent. I've never yeah. understood. We always comment on this. Makes no sense why. It does not. Just because be British. No. <laughs> it makes no sense. No. So she puts on that phony American accent. Which she does a fine job of it. Yeah. I wouldn't question her, but, you know, it'd be like me sitting here every week. And when we've had a 
British movie, I'd have to sit here and talk like this. You only have one, it's the Queen. (laughs) Is that the Queen? I don't think that's the Queen. (laughs) It's pretty close to the Queen. I think that's like a posh knobhead. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and Owen Vaccaro plays Lewis Barnvelt. He's the uh, the hero of our tale. Yeah, I thought he did really well. I've never Mm -hmm. seen him before. He has been in a couple of things. But um, he's got like that kind of innocence, but then he grows in the movie, like because yeah, he has to learn, you know, from his. There's a there's a montage where he's learning. Come on, there's we always need a, a montage. montage. You know, <laughs> yeah, and he does grow, and I feel like it goes to a good place at the end. Kyle MacLachlan. Mr. Mr. Agent Cooper himself plays (laughs) Isaac Izzard. (coughs) Excuse me. What do you think of Kyle? He was fine. I mean, it could have been anyone, but it's fine. Now, Kyle, um, (laughs) there's a time element in this movie. So Kyle plays a lot of this movie under a lot of makeup, CGI makeup, possibly. Or is it just makeup? Yeah, it definitely looks CGI. So I think there are points where you wouldn't even know it was him at all. Like, it doesn't really look like him. True. But there are some flashback sequences where you do see him as a younger man and he just looks like Agent Cooper wandering around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Kyle. But you yeah. do. You boys been a Kyle fan. Uh, Renee Elise Goldsbury plays Selena, his woman. And she's from Starship Enterprise, uh, Star Trek Enterprise. I don't know who she is in that, but she's one of the main crew. I don't recall her either, but right. I'd have to, if I watched one, I would. Um, she could have been anybody for me. Yeah. She wasn't. She was all right. Yeah. She was enthusiastic. She was, but I don't know. I never really gelled with her, but I really loved her transformation. That weird shaky yes. thing? I don't know. That was almost, whoa. <laughs> there is a good special effect, let's say, where one person turns into another person. It just looks cool. It almost looks a bit too Eli Roth for It looks movie. like um, something from Twin Peaks. Yeah it, it, yeah, it does actually. Yeah, those shaky, those mm-hmm. vibrating heads. Um, so yeah, this is directed by Eli Roth. It's his first PG movie. He's only made, made R-rated movies, including The Green Inferno, Hostel. In, he was actually in Tarantino's movie, Inglorious Bastards, if you remember, as the bear Jew. He put on a load <laughs> of muscle, and he was this crazy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy that character. But um, he. You know, he's famous for these grisly horror movies. And I think he's made, this is a transition for him to do something different. I think he did it great. I agree. I was a bit worried at first. I was like, ooh, we've only ever seen Eli do one thing, and it's violence. I don't and know. I think when someone's talented, yeah. it just is what it is. Like, So yeah. I'm glad he can, you know, he's a good director. Because this looked great, and it was well shot. The camera was really energetic in a lot of it. It wasn't wobbly and all that stuff, but it was all over the place. I think it was pretty well shot. So there are tons of extras on this disc. Um, there's an alternate opening and ending. There's a gag reel. There's loads of featurettes. They're all pretty short, but there are a lot of them. There's a Eli Ross director journals, which is him on the set. You can tell he was having fun with this movie. Like Definitely. He, he just looked like he was really enjoying what he was doing. There's TikTok bringing the book to life. There is so many things on that. You'll be going through this menu for a while. (laughs) 
because there is a lot of stuff. So, you know, you're not being shortchanged. And if your kids love watching all the behind the scenes stuff, there's a bunch. So, in conclusion, pleasantly surprised House with a Clock in Its Walls. Really fun. Yeah. If you liked what you saw in the trailer, you get more of that. And it, you know, what you see in the trailer is not everything. They didn't just blow the wad and show you it all. There's a lot of fun, secrety things to be had. So, yeah, I would recommend it to all ages, even if you're one year old and you don't even know what these people <laughs> And you listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'd recommend it to you, Mr. Nice. One-Year-Old Baby out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you to Universal for giving us... Oh, next week we're going to the opposite end of this. We're going to be looking at Halloween, the sequel to the original so we'll be looking at that next week. The so we, sequel. So we're going from... These people. These this. people. <laughs> yeah. Forget all the other Halloweens exist. <laughs> there was the first one by John Carpenter, and now this sequel that we're going to see next week. And this is it. That's it. There's, the others don't exist. Right. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, come on. So um, movie recommendations. I am going with... This is a movie I really enjoyed, which has the same kind of spirit as this movie. It's called Bridge to Terabithia. It's a, you know, same at kids. It's got a nice story to it. Oh, yeah. And a nice message to it. But there are really dark things in it, too. So I really rate it. We It's come up a lot. We've talked about it quite a lot, Bridge to Terabithia. And we reviewed it a long time ago. So it must have something about it, right? Because we often yeah. go back to it and say, hey, that was a good one. And my second one is Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, the first one he did. Uh, it, weirdly, Cabin Fever got remade, like an exact shot-for-shot version of it, but it's another version of it that was I released. I thought it was by him. It was, it was produced by him. Mm. Like, he, he, you know, he was involved in it. I don't get that. We watched it. It was pretty much, this, it was the same movie, but worse, right? It wasn't as good. <laughs> because, I thought it was him who did it. No, he didn't direct it. Hmm. But what we um, what we learned from watching that remake was like I really love the uh, shaving the legs sequence in the original. <laughs> it's one of the horriblest things I've ever seen. But in the remake, it was real tame and it wasn't as good. <laughs> <laughs> but the original Cabin Fever is this really cheap movie. He made it for a million and a half dollars. Um, a million and a half dollars. I mean, one and a half million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> which is not very much for a movie. And they made it really quickly, and it is a really effective horror movie. In fact, you know, he he loved the Evil Dead, you know, people being in a cabin and trapped, and he just did a spin on that, he even admits to that. But, you know, Cabin in the Woods that came along later has, you know, these kind of trapped-in-a-cabin things. It's just a really gross one. There's a disease... It's in the water, and people start falling apart, literally, right? <laughs> Actually falling apart. It is really gross. So that's Cabin Fever. Don't watch the remake. Watch the original. And your recommendations are? My recommendations are, I just want to go back over the year and pick a couple that we have watched that I enjoyed, and they're very different from each other, but they are Red Sparrow. With? Hunger Games. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> and Game Night. With Game Night, uh, Jason Bateman, pleasant. Yeah. That was a pleasant surprise. It was yeah. really fun. I'm not saying they're great. And Red Sparrow's got a lot of you know things. We're like, uh, but it's. 
I think it's well done. It's an interesting I've, spy kind of a movie. I liked it. I thought Game Night was quite fun because it was. I just expected like a screwball comedy, but it actually was like almost like an action film in parts. Yeah, it was a plane, and there was. Do you remember? Yeah, somebody went through an engine of a plane. It's crazy. It got crazy towards the end. So yeah, that's a good one. All right, so it is the last show of 2018. So we do have our 10 best movies of the year. And what we do is we start at number 10. I tell you mine, you tell me yours, or whichever <laughs> way around we want to go. That sounds and we, dirty. <clears throat> and now these, aren't, these are just the movies we've reviewed on this show. So you will know if you're a regular listener what we've reviewed this year. So we'll start with number 10 of 2018 for me. And it is A Quiet Place. Okay. And yours is? My number 10. Let me get to my list. Oh, let me explain A Quiet Place. It's the horror movie with Kravinsky. Is that his name? Jim Krasinski. Jim from The Office. Krasinski. Jim from The Office and his wife. It's the one where you can't make any noise or you'll get... Not his wife from the show, but his real life wife. His real life wife. Who's also Mary Poppins. True. (laughs) So A Quiet Place. It was a really, really well done little horror movie. It was. It didn't make my list. Uh, my number 10 is, because it's well made, and I was really compelled, was American Animals. Right. You remember that one? The true story, well, the truish story of the college kids who wanted to steal the most expensive books. Actually, the true story. Well, yeah, roughly. Yeah. They're, yeah, based on a true event. Yep. All right. Number nine, mine is Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. <laughs> really? And the reason that is on my list is I love the book. I um, was excited to see the movie. And while the movie's not, I don't think it's the best thing ever, like some people do, the part where they do The Shining is legendary to me now. (laughs) I've rewatched it so many times, and it is like, oh, I want to see Ready Player 2, where they do more of that. Right. So, yeah, because it was just so well done. So, Ready Player One is my number nine. I'm not surprised. Uh, My number nine is, controversially probably, because you are going to disagree, The Mountain Between Us. Absolutely forgettable (laughs) for me, that one. I just think the experience of it, and I was cold, and I felt like it was well done, even though it's hokey. And even at the time, I remember saying... These two people trapped on this mountain, the worst, everything that you could think terrible happens to just these two people happens to them and yeah, it does for them to survive. But I just thought it was really, you know, and they jumped to the conclusion of them hooking up and all that jazz, but I just really liked it. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it's not, it didn't make my list. Right. Fair, 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 fair statement. All right. So I'm just making sure my microphone's on because I muted it while I... Coughed. Ah. All right. So uh, my number eight is a movie we saw just recently. It's called Black Klansman from Spike Lee. Shocking. I dislike Spike Lee movies, but this one really had an effect. You don't dislike them. I generally do, actually. You didn't dislike 25th Hour. Um, I didn't love it. Yeah, but you didn't dislike it. No. um, Black Klansman, um, I thought it was very funny. I thought, I know it's not really based on, the true story that it is based on is about like a a 5% of what the movie's about. But the actual movie is very funny. I like what it's saying. 
There was a moment where there's... It's not a comedy, a, by the way. There, but there is some funniness in it. There is, but it's not about a funny subject. But the, um, <laughs> you know, I didn't like the speechy part in the middle of it. As you don't, that's why As you're I not don't. a that, that, person. That snapped me out of the movie, but I did like the movie in general. I thought it was really fun, really well filmed. Black Klansman. Okay. My number eight, eighth grade. Oh, was yeah. that on purpose? Eight and eighth grade. It was not. It just happened that way. Eighth grade is a, a depiction of a young girl in eighth grade, living through her eighth grade year and the trials and tribulations, yet again, of a kid who is not mainstream like everybody else, trying to do her own thing, and yet you get the vibe, as we do in life, that she's ostracized, isolated. She also doesn't have a mother. She's taken off somewhere, so there's sadness in her and her dad's life, but it's really sweet. It's a little bit, at times, you know, hammers home this she's an outsider concept, but it's really well done, and she is amazing. All right. Elsie, I believe she was called. Number seven... Uh, in my list is Avengers Infinity War. I love the Marvel movies. This was the best Marvel movie for me out of all of the Marvel movies, I think. And who could not be surprised with what (laughs) happens in this movie? I mean, damn. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, um, if you want to be... I didn't ever think I would be moved in a way from a Marvel movie, but this movie is pretty moving. So... Avengers Infinity War. Your number seven is... Last Flag Flying. Oh. I know. That's. Do you remember it? I do remember it. It's um, Steve Carell and Morpheus. Yeah. Morpheus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really good. It went, and to be honest, when I was looking at the thing, I'm like, mm, I don't know. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, that was just really... It was sweet. And it was... You know, highly emotional. I don't know. I just liked it. All right. Number six. Well, they'll tell everybody what it is. What? Stephen Carell. Yeah, it's a Richard Linklater film. He finds a couple of dudes that he was in the military with years before. We're kind of an odd group because he has to go get the body of his son who has died in action. And it's sort of their journey together as different personalities, how they all cope with years past of being vet- Vietnam vets. Yeah. And um, it's just really good. Really well done. Right. So number... Six. Number six for me is Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm, you're going for the biggies this time. It's one of the... Uh, I love the Mission Impossible movies. This one I thought was... It just had... The action was so compelling. It was shot so well. That scene where he does the halo jump... Yep. It's really memorable. I thought it was, I just really love that series. So that's my number. We reviewed it very recently. We did. That's and my, my number six. My number six is The Florida Project. Because it's yes. really good. Florida Project is a movie about a young girl and her mother who live in Florida in a motel, basically, because yeah. they're on welfare. Right? Yeah, and her mother does things. Yeah. <laughs> it's and not just welfare. A, <laughs> Willem Dafoe was, uh, is in it, and he was the one who got all the praise. But I think the the mother and the child should have got more praise than Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Both amazing. Yeah. Both amazing. Yeah. Uh, my number five. Are we on number five? Yes. 
is American Animals, which you... Ah, you moved it up a bit. Yeah, mine goes... Step mine, it up a notch. I thought it was... You know what I really liked about American Animals? One, it's a heist movie. Of course. On a small scale. Of course. Two, is the way that it's told. You're seeing the real people who did the heist talking, like being interviewed. True. And Had you're also going to the going actors on. playing them, uh, act, doing the act, acting out the movie. And it goes back and forth. And sometimes the stories don't quite line up. Exactly. Which I really liked about it. So, American Animals is my number five. My number five is You Were Never Really Here. I thought it was really compelling and creepy and well done, stimulating. It's. Joaquin Phoenix as a guy who questionably does good, apparently to find missing people. And now he's on the mission to help find this girl who's been kidnapped. And along the way, we find out his... And it's not overt. You you just learn of his nature through the things he does. Not, not necessarily all why he is the way he is, just little hints of it. Yeah. And then... The bigger story is also a bit of a movie trope, you know. We won't almost say what it is, but that aside, I just thought it was one of the most memorable movies of the year. Who directed it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't All know. Right. Um, number four on our on my list is Mother with exclamation points. Right. Um, it's the movie everybody hated, I believe. It was really, really not everybody. hated. You and liked you, it. Yeah, and you know why? Because it was not what they expected. Yeah. They went to see a Jennifer Lawrence movie, and what they actually got was this Bible <laughs> allegory, weird, strange... I don't even think you can explain the movie that well. No. It is so different. So Mother, because it was so different, and... I like it when a filmmaker does something that makes people go, I don't like this. <laughs> you know? Like like they can't comprehend what's going on because it's not like everything else they've yeah. seen. So, Mother. And Mother, funnily enough, it's and not it's an And it's Mother indi- with an exclamation point. So if you do look it up, Mother, there's also a Mother from the 80s or the early 90s with Debbie Reynolds and um, Albert Brooks, which is not this one. Right. And the cool, <laughs> the coolest thing about Mother is it is not an independent film. It is made by Paramount. It's not on there independently. It's a big Paramount movie that I don't think other movie studios take that kind of risk. True. It's It feels like it's an independent movie like because it's so bizarre. But it's a big movie that they released on all screens and like people went and started walking out and hating it. So and I you won't it. You won't always know what's going on. I don't <laughs> even remember always what was going on, but it's just powerful like oh I'm stuff into, going into your brain that you're like what's up what's i'm happening? not into religion and the bible and most of the movie is like you know set up like the bible story but it is done in this awkward and weird way and see i didn't even pick up on that hardly so I thought no that's you, did, you did you did barely and the thing about it also is the way it is filmed it's almost on Jennifer Lawrence's shoulder the entire time, and it, you feel panicked at times. Yeah, people are in your fa- people are in her face saying things to her, and she's just trying to like, be you know, they're trying to do up this house, and she's trying to 
be calm about things and people are just in her face and she doesn't understand what's happening. Like, it's just people coming at her. And it makes you feel anxious the entire time. It does. That is true. So that my number four is Mother. My number four is Hostiles. Oh, yeah. With uh, the mechanic. Is he the mechanic? No. No, 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 no. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Oh, well, yeah, he was in the mechanic. Christian. Jason Statham. Yeah. yeah. With, no, it wasn't Jason with, Statham. No, he was in it with Jason Statham. Ben Foster, it's called. Right? From Hostiles? Is that oh, that's not who I was talking about. I was oh, talking, you were about talking about Christian Bale. Alan, but yeah. yeah. Jason, what's his name? In the He's American Psycho. <laughs> he's called um, Patrick Christian. Bateman in that. Christian Bale. Batman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But Ben Foster's also in that movie, right? <laughs> was it him? Who's like the crazy guy? Feels so with the mustache. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, but it's just really good. It's one of those that goes back and addresses the time frame where basically the Native Americans. It's post Civil War. After that, so you got a lot of soldiers who fought in the war, who you know they've all done horrible things, and now they are as the government forms trying to deal with in a very maniacal horrible way what they see as the problem of the native american people who are still on the plains and out in the you know whole western part of the country or land mass and it just takes a different kind of you know spin on it i think yeah and it's in pretty... rosamond parks is really good yeah and it's rosamond pike pike you're talking about somebody else, I think. <laughs> no, not in her. Yeah, she's really good in it, and it's kind of a it's a pretty gruesome, like a retail, like a te- like it's not like it doesn't pull any punches. Like, no, people get killed. It's really crazy. Yeah, I liked it. You mean you've never seen movies where people got killed? Not quite. It's quite <laughs> graphic. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my number three is Hereditary, which is a horror film. Oh yeah. Um. It is a really interesting horror film. There's things that happen in it that I didn't see coming, and it really threw me for a loop. It is really unsettling. Some people say that it reminds them of Get Out. I don't understand that. Some people say it reminds them of The Exorcist. <laughs> I can kind of see kind of some of the filmmaking things. Blasphemy. But I think it's a really good horror film. It's not perfect, because there is some weird, like, I would say... um, you know, those like things that happen in movies where it's like, oh, that's convenient. Yeah. There's some of that in the movie in the middle, mostly revolving around that lady you don't like very much from The Leftovers. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. I really don't. But uh, I think Hereditary is one of my favorite horror movies this year. And that's number three on my list. Number three. Wow. I'm just, just to put that in perspective uh that one is number 33 on my list <laughs> nice i really it really just to let everyone know um i don't doesn't matter if you call me nerdy i have a spreadsheet so every single week i put the movie the score that i give it the number of the podcast the date the two movies that i recommend what we had for supper and the advice that i give so when i comes time to do this i can just sort it by the column of the scores and bada boom there are my top 10 and then i can just see the all in order and of course i have lots of re- you know lots of eights and 7.5s i try to do 7.8 7.6 like that so i have a true representation <laughs> is that super nerdy yes i don't know and my number 3 so where we're at is your number 4 mother 
Yeah. Because, I it, again, it's memorable. It's like attacks you a little bit. Kind of ruffles your senses of your comfy, cozy, I want to watch a movie thing. And I really liked it. All right, number two for It's me. indulgent, don't get me wrong. It's a little pretentious, but I still really, really had a, had a big impact. Well, it is a Darren Aronofsky film, and mm. all of his films are kind of like that. Yeah. Um, my number two is The Florida Project, which nice. you had much lower down. Much. Um, I, I much said lower to you, down. I said to you the other day, when I think of films that I've watched this year, The Florida Project pops into my mind quite a bit. Yeah. And it sticks in my mind like American Honey did last year which I adore American Honey. I think it's fantastic. And this one is a similar kind of vibe to that. You know, that realistic mm, yeah. kind of people living in a, like a different to you, but you know, it, you know people like that. Absolutely. But it feels like you're just watching some people doing the thing. That's <laughs> what I got from it. So number two for me, The Florida Project. And number two for me, Darkest Hour. Oh, that yeah. was really good and done in a bit of a different way than your standard historic biopic kind of moment in history. And I just thought it was really It really was good. about Winston Churchill. Correct. And uh, it was, yeah, very good. Uh, Gary Oldman won an Oscar for it. Correct. Um, so, are we going for number one? Are you going for number one? Number one on my list. And I couldn't even believe we watched this this year, but we did. And it is Paul Thomas Anderson's <laughs> Phantom Thread. And why would you make that your number one? I'm shocked. It was a fantastic movie. <laughs> you you even like this movie. I did. It is a it's kind of fucked up <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but it is so it's so elegantly told and filmed. It's beautiful. It's I don't know. That Daniel Day Lewis's last performance, apparently, I don't believe that, but um, it's Time just will tell. it's just a really fascinating movie, and it goes to places you don't think it's going. It seems like one, and then you're like, "Oh, what the hell is going on?" So that's my number one. Phantom we Thread. like these ones that are hard to describe yeah. or explain. My number one is Phantom Thread. Oh, <laughs> it's one of the. Only top two that got tens was Darkest Hour and Phantom Thread, and Phantom Thread just edged it out because of the, like, I don't know, like, the beauty of it and the torment of it and the, like, ugh, you know, a little bit of... What, yeah, explain what it's about, just in case people didn't see it, because I'm sure... It's a dude who creates fashion, like, fancy dresses for women, and he's super obsessive, and then obsesses over a young woman, and the young woman is... Unfortunately, kind of dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Little does he know. Um, challenges him and his, like, super control freak ways. And the thing is, who's controlling who, essentially? Yeah. And it's, I mean, again, if you're watching it and you feel like this guy's up his own ass, yes, you can totally feel this forced attempt to be elegant and kind of brooding and creepy and and like fantastically beautiful at the same time, but that's what makes it memorable. Yeah, and, and the lady who plays it, the thing about this guy is he gets one of these muses, as he calls them, but it's quite clear he's had many of these, mm -hmm. and eventually he gets fed up of them, and then they just get kind of sent away. Like, but there's this lady, the, <laughs> is, his, is it his sister or is it? 
The woman who it works. For, oh, she I just worked for him. Don't know. But she like handles these when it, when she can tell when he's had enough of them, and it's time for a new one possibly. And she kind of handles it like a business. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Phantom Thread. Paul Thomas Anderson didn't get the Oscar. Robbed. <laughs> So there you go. There's our top ten. And our worst that we only go oh, for this is our right. worst movie of the year. And we probably should like count to three and both say it. You think we're gonna agree? I don't know well, we don't know what each other no. has done, right? We keep them on separate computers. So. But I thought it was funny yesterday you were trying to figure it out and I said, you'll get there in the end. Alright. So I'll count to three and on three. On three or after three? After the after the three, say okay. it. Right. One, two, Three Geostorm, Geostorm. absolutely <laughs> the worst. And I watch a lot of crappy horror movies. Remember, Halloween is yeah. crappy horror movies for me. Nothing, I don't think anything was yeah. as bad as this. Like there just wasn't anything. Now there, I have some others that are at the bottom of my list. I didn't love Strangers Pray at Night. It was fine, but not that it was as bad as Geostorm. But it's down there as far as like mm, you know whatever. Unfortunately, Tomb Raider was down there with it. It's pretty forgettable, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, Tomb Raider's at a five, so I do out of ten. So Angelina's five is pretty Tomb good. Raider's still better, in my opinion. But Tomb, it, it, five is just average, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's kind of fun, and it's fine. It doesn't do anything for me, but I wouldn't knock it. Whereas when you get it below that, I only have two movies below five, Strangers Pray at Night and Geostorm. I looked. I actually looked at Strangers Pray at Night first, then I remembered the pool scene with the cool music, and I was like, no, that's actually got something decent in it. At least something. Yeah, true. So something creepy. Geostorm actually, and so I like uh, the director of Geostorm, Dean Devlin. He he's the guy who, you know, he's done a lot of disaster type movies with the other guy. He did um, Twenty Twelve and what's the other ones? In, well, Independence Day was. I mean, Twenty Twelve wasn't great either, according to you. It's fun, but it's no. all easy to pick apart. Uh, day after tomorrow, which was actually, I'd watch 2012 ten times before I'd watch Geostorm again. Yeah, and Geostorm was just it, it promised a lot from the tra- the trailer made it look awesome. I can't say it didn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that looks cool. The movie itself, the actual Geostorm, is like literally like three minutes of the entire movie. The rest That's of it's just garbage bad. talking, insanely bad, and it's like. They send that guy to the space station, that shitty guy. Sorry, whoever, uh, you know, <laughs> the guy from 300. And there's a lot of waffle on a space station. and A lot. Yeah, it's just shitty. So that's the worst uh, movie of the shit. I also want to say, there's a movie I couldn't fit into my top 10, but I love this movie. It just couldn't fit. So it's like the 11th. And it's Blade Runner 2049. It has to be in there. How come you couldn't fit it in? I just couldn't because I kept thinking about it and I didn't want to knock any of these other movies out. Right. So Blade Runner 2049 is my honorary mention of mm. another awesome movie from this year. Do you have any like that where you can just go, hmm. oh, well, I didn't well, I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, let me see. Well, some of them that are near my top. Um, I did like It a lot and Blade Runner 2049 was right up there. It's number 12. Yeah. Wonder, number 13. Right. And, I mean, Lady Bird and Game Night's up there, like I already mentioned. Player, You know, I've got a lot in the eights there. Right. Um, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. And then A Simple Favor, also, you know, kind of interesting. It doesn't Beast, register. I have Beast in there, which I thought was kind of... Beast was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So... 
right. but a lot of good ones this year because I didn't have. We both agreed though for the top movie again. More than half of my list is over a seven point five. Can we agree with the top? Both had the same movie last year. I uh, don't know. What was your top movie last year? I don't year? even remember, but <laughs> you probably get it on a spreadsheet. I do. I can <laughs> do mine easily. All right, I'm going for. I'm going to also tell you my top three games of 2018, starting with number three. Sid Talk as a top three game. No, she probably has just one. Just to game. interject, Wind River was my number one last year. And what was mine? I don't know. I didn't put yours down. That's your responsibility. It was possibly Wind River because I really loved it. That was really good. All right, so my top three games of 2018. Number three is God of War on the Sony <laughs> PlayStation. Fantastic new uh, reboot for God of War. It's better than any of the God of Wars. Everything they did about it was cool. There's a really cool ending to it where you find out a big revelation that is awesome. I, I didn't see it coming. God of War. Number two is another Sony PlayStation exclusive, and it's Spider-Man, Marvel's Spider-Man. Mm. Um, Spider-Man, uh, I didn't think they could make a Spider-Man game this good. It's as good as the movies are in terms of story and Interesting. acting. Uh, Stan Lee makes an appearance. Rest in peace, Mr. Stan Lee. It is, uh, to me, it's like part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that not everybody has seen. And number one is Red Dead Redemption 2. And um, I said to you, like a lot of people don't like Red Dead Redemption 2. I've been playing it since it came out. I've still not got to the end. But, as I said to you the other day, there's not many games that can make it an emotional response in you. This game did that towards the end of the game. And I said to you, I've spent like 75 hours with these characters. So what happened was like really actually meant something to me. Definitely, I can tell. Yeah, Rockstar... um, there's only a handful of storytellers. I think The Last of Us, Naughty Dog, can also do that. But in video games, this is one of the best... Not not particularly the best story, but to make you care about characters, it does it perfectly. Also, it's gorgeous. What a gorgeous game. <laughs> so they're my top games for 2018. Do you have any top games? No top games, but I will cover a few other tops. Um, through the course of the year, like I said, I have my spreadsheet here through the course of the year. We do all of our recommendations. I tell you what we have for dinner just for everybody's curiosity. I'm sure you're dying to know the most, (laughs) the things we ate the most. I'm not even interested in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I go through phases. So nine different times for three different things. So nine times we had Jimmy John's nine times we had eggs and beans and toast, like you like beans and toast with an egg. And nine times we had Freddy's burgers. We, we were vegetarian, so we had veggie burgers. We basically just eat the same thing over and over. <laughs> and then all the other stuff is other things, like corn, burger, corn, chip, you know, whatever. Um, and then my other recommendations, I found that I had a few repeats. Um, nothing if I remember. Love Actually, I recommended twice. Yep. Battleship, I recommended twice. Well, why? I don't know. Well, it kind of goes with Pacific Rim, which I recommended three times. Oh, it also goes with Anything by Peter Berg. Maybe that brings up what movies are under, because I think they're just kind of fun. Um, Princess Bride, I recommended twice. And Star Trek television shows, I recommended four different times. Wow. I know. So there's that. (laughs) So what is for dinner today? Today is leftovers. Colon. It just says... Mm. 
Yeah, we'll just have leftovers, I think. Unless it's unless you've changed my mind. I would recommend The Leftovers as a show <laughs> to watch. And Leftovers is we had fake chicken stuff last night and gravy and Yorkshire puddings, which didn't turn out perfect, but they're still delicious, and mashed potatoes. Sounds good. I think so. And some peas this time. And uh, what is your advice? My advice is what I did was I looked over my advice for the year to see if the movies inspired, you know, my advice. So if my top 10 movies inspired any good advice, and I'll just go over a couple of them. The number one movie inspired me to say this. We don't all need fictional romance. It's fiction because Phantom Thread is like this fictional, like somehow a sort of like desirable fucked up relationship that would seem desirable to some people, but then they're tormented by it. And Oh, the emotions of it all. Right. Well, it's fiction. It's not real life. It's not something to aspire to. Right. Um, one of them, my number two, which was what? Darkest Hour. Um, nah, didn't really inspire this, but I'm sick of people telling each other to be kind all the time. Sometimes you just have to be honest, and that's not always sound the kindest. Um, other stuff like You Matter, Stop Feeling Sorry for Yourself. One really important one is Always Park by the Cart Corral when you go shopping. <laughs> Corral. <laughs> That's what it's called. Trolley park, I call it. The cart corral is where you're, once you're in your car, at your car, you don't want to, you know, I will take the cart to a cart corral or back to the store. It's just a thing. I think it's irritating when people just leave them sit in the parking lot. So my advice is to always park by the cart corral if you can. Even if you have to take a few extra steps, that's fine. It's worth it in the end because you get there and you're like, oh, ba-doom, and you're out. That's a, that's a sum of my past ones i don't have any for this week except have a nice happy new year uh, also what did you get f- from santa claus <gasps> well got a lot of fantastic things do you mean just from you just as in, santa claus just in general everybody? in general as i'm sitting here i'm looking at this mobile hanging from my lamp that my niece made for me she's 32 years old 31 years old and she knows me very well she made me a mobile out of wizard of oz charms so it's made with fishing wire and the finest of wire. So it's this delicately balanced. It's got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about twenty different charms, like from a bracelet all over it. There's the balloon, the scarecrow, etc. It's gorgeous. My nephew takes ceramic classes now, and he's a senior in college, and he made a prairie dog with a carrot as an arm. <laughs> it's, so funny. it's a little bit surreal. I got that, and it's huge, it's like a foot and a half tall. It's really funny. Um it's got all kinds of wonderful things. And then my husband gave me a new tablet, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Excuse well, me. Well, you're kind of bored of it. Cause you're <laughs> bored on <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> a tablet that I love. Um, Funko Pop of Tina. It's butt loose. That makes no sense. Hey, well, if you like Bob's Burgers, you'll know who Tina as in her butt loose outfit will be. I just got Bob's Burgers Monopoly, which we have played. Yeah, we played Monopoly. We played like a four-hour game. Yeah, we did. It's like epic. (laughs) My butt got sore. I had to stand Mm -hmm. up. Uh, But our nephew won because he ended up with literally every single property. I I lost. And every single dollar. You lost first, and then I hung in there until I landed on his highest dollar property with one of the big mansions on it, and that was it. I was screwed. But it's fun. I love it. I love it. I I just got loads of stuff. I made all my family and friends scarves this year out of just, like, fleece and felt. 
And you never know how people are going to respond to homemade gifts. So I give them all at my mom's to everybody who was there. And I mean, even the teenage boys were wrapping them around and like making funny ninja hat things with them, masks. And that was really fun. So that was a good gift to me that people enjoyed their scarves. All right. So let's wrap up. Um, If you want to check out our website, ascully.com or Sid Talk's website, sidtalk.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook. We're also on Google Play, this podcast. We're on iTunes Music Store, if you've got an Apple device. You can use your Amazon device or your Google Home device. Just say the trigger word and then say, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. We also put the episodes on YouTube. And just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe or just listen straight from the page. You can email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want any of your nonsense. Was <laughs> you going to make me a cool mobile? Something to do with Wizard of Oz, Bob's Burgers, art, gardening, or photography, or sewing. Any of those things would be fine. And or stay, movies. Movies. And stay classy, Mr. Eli Roth, moving from the gross horror out horror to something a bit classier <laughs> for the children. And I want to say happy 2019, because that's when we'll talk to you next. Very good, and I'm going to say thank for yourselves or someone will do it for you.